This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Hey, this is Emily. And this is Sandra. And I'm Jess. And you're listening to Town Meeting, a Gilmore Girls rewatch podcast. Hello, hello. Uh, you might be getting sexy voice Sandra and sexy voice Jess today. It's early, people. It is very early. I've been up for hours. Emily's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you have a kid, though, right? <laughs> she does not let you sleep in. It's not a thing. Well, today we are talking about Help Wanted. And I believe, Emily, you are summarizing for us today. I do. I am. And not a lot happened. So if I fail, then, well, we'll see. It's un- it's it's fully deserved. <laughs> All right. Okay. Ready to start? Yep. Count me down. Three, two, one. Lorelai is convinced everything is fine with her and Luke, but Luke has gone fishing. Lorelai harasses Michelle at another diner. Richard nearly quits all his plans to start a new business because his former secretary won't join him and he shows some massive boomer energy. Lorelai volunteers to help. Rory writes a letter to Dean about what happened. He's fine, I guess. Lorelai makes a great secretary for Richard until she tricks Emily. Emily is hosting a party. Stars Hollow gets a music store. Sophie's music. Lane's going to be a drummer. Emily finds out about the accident and freaks out. Then Rory also freaks out and leaves the party. Rory and Luke bond over it. This is not Jess's fault. Hey, like four seconds to spare. I'm like, did you speak words? Did I? In my head, yes. I did. Yes. <laughs> I did. You guys understand words? <laughs> I did. I feel like I did. You had more detail in your summary than there was in the actual episode. <laughs> right. Uh, to be fair, I did the summary and then I tested it real quick, and I still had like ten seconds left, and I was like, I guess I'll add more in there. <laughs> what we've learned is that emily is a really fast talker yes so i was talking to my mom about the podcast last night she asked like how it was going and stuff and i told her and was telling her like about the little bits and was like we you know we take turns doing a summary 30 seconds of the episode i was like as you are probably not at all surprised i am the resident fastest talker of the three of us yeah (laughs) and she's like not at all guys the original air date for this episode is the 7th of may 2002 wow almost 20 years exactly exactly that's what i was thinking like isn't that crazy yeah make me feel old (laughs) and it's so funny like this episode (laughs) i feel like there's a lot of things in this episode that are definitely dated but at the same time like we talk about it all the time the show holds up there are multiple things in this episode that are now being like horrible not horribly brought to light but like really getting a spotlight on it of like no this isn't great practice mm-hmm. and yeah. we'll get there but like richard encompasses all of that well let's actually start the episode discussion we start it 
going to Luke's. Um, guys, this is the second time that we've gotten a close-up of this livery bell sign. And the first <laughs> time we saw it, it was I was just like, oh, it's just a sign for the livery bell. The second time, you get to read it. And it's implying that the Star's Hollow Bell is the Liberty Bell. They're saying it's the same bell. What? <laughs> did he revise history? Like <laughs> Taylor did, yes. Could that, it that's be my theory. Ta- Taylor did. A replica? No, no, it literally says the Star's Hollow Bell cracked and now it like rings or whatever. Like you can read the whole thing. It's it's the it's so weird. No, I, I am convinced Taylor is just retconning history. It is literally the first second of the, the show if you're trying to get to it. Well, I mean, it's not the Liberty Bell. I think we can all say that. Canonically, maybe it is, but it's definitely not in our canon of the real world. <laughs> I blame Taylor. He's well, it's funny. This So this episode is dealing with the kind of fallout of the accident. Yes. Jess has disappeared because um, last episode was, you know, movie night and He's all of gone. that. He's gone. And so this is dealing with the fallout. And I'm surprised that Lorelai's like, yep, let's go to Luke's. You know? Yeah. I'm telling you, Lorelai does not think she did anything wrong. I think yeah. she's about to, I think she's about to realize how much she messed up in about 30 seconds. Yeah, because they get to Luke's and... Luke's gone fishing. Um, mm-hmm. And there's, again, people love to crowd around the diner in almost stare. a scary fashion. Like, <laughs> Kirk is, like, going to bust down the door. It's it's a whole thing. But they realize, oh, Luke is not here. We can't eat at Luke's. And so they have to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know what I like is that Rory connects the dots, right? Yeah. But Lorelai refuses to. Lorelai like, no, really thinks she's innocent here. He went fishing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a coincidence. As if. <sighs> One other thing we have to mention is Lorelai is fretting over Rory. Like, she she's is tilting. so concerned. She's, yeah, she's leaning. She wants to balance a pen on her head. Yeah, like, she's so concerned over her daughter. And I get it, but, like, God. Like, it's one of those things, like, I want to understand you're a mother, you're worried about your daughter, but, like, there's a such thing as too much. A little bit. (laughs) But, yes, they do have to go to a new place, and it's the Hungry Diner, Mm -hmm. presumably also in Stars Hollow? Oh, yeah, because they would have had to walk. Yeah. They're already out in town. They have to walk. Um, and this is a much more commercial diner, right? Mm-hmm. It's giving me like an, a a small town like Denny's vibe. Yeah, honestly, it was giving me New Jersey diner vibes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is it common to have the pictures on the menu though? No, not everywhere really. in the Midwest has pictures on the menus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we don't but know what New Jersey look diners like here. are. They're really fifties. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, I think it's cute. I think it's stylized. You know, the waitresses wear like little dresses and like paper hats Mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. But immediately, Lorelai is not happy that she is not getting immediate service. She's hungry. She's (sighs) clearly cranky. I mean, she's full Karen. 
she Maybe? is oh, yeah. Yeah. like her i it's one of those things like when you're not really analyzing the show like what we are doing now it just it's cute it's quirky it's lorelei you you get what you get but now it's just like sitting here and like lorelei come on like you work in and in with a restaurant mm-hmm. you know how this works mm-hmm. you you know that just because there's empty tables doesn't mean there's people available to serve you i have yeah. two notes about the scene my first note is full customer service voice and that has to do with the waitress oh yeah and secondly, Lorelai's unbearable in the scene. Has she never seen a coffee cup before? Other than the mugs? That, like, have, Has she never been to another restaurant other than Luke's? Because that's what this Apparently feels not. like. <laughs> she, I mean, she doesn't get any better. She comes in. She's in a bad mood. She's a Karen. And then when they sit down, they have pictures on the menu. So she's like sniping about that. And then the coffee cups are small, and so then they're rude about that. Bring us a coffee bowl. It's like, oh my gosh. I'm terrible. And, and to be fair, Take like, anytime, <laughs> anytime we see them drinking coffee, they're not sitting there chugging it. The cup they have no. is fine. Yeah. There's absolutely no reason they need they ask the giant mugs that Luke gives them. To bring more cups. Okay, but you also have her leave the coffee pot. Why do you need three more cups? Are you going to be drinking out of multiple cups? Everybody double fisting coffee? No. I I don't. Lorelai is unbearable. And it doesn't stop because once she she looks around and, oh my god, who's there? Michelle? Let's go harass her employee. This is like... This gets into the realm of, like, is Lorelai a villain? Because this is villain (laughs) behavior. She goes over and she essentially terrorizes Michelle out of the restaurant. Like, she goes over with the sole purpose to bug him until he leaves. That brings her joy. And she uses that joy to, like, get through her Make herself feel better. And what's crazy is that it feels disjointed because for the rest of the episode, she's She's great. great. Yeah. Like, if not for this really weird opening and beginning Lorelai, like, she would have a really good episode mm-hmm. past this. This part just, it doesn't feel like her. It's so mean-spirited. I can see yeah. her, like, wanting to go over and say hi to Michelle and maybe joke around, maybe nitpick him a little bit because that's just kind of their relationship. Routine, but then, yeah. But then it's like, okay, well, hey, enjoy your breakfast. I'll see you at work and get up and walk away. Not literally harass him into leaving. Also, there was there was another reference to the fact that he is constantly on a diet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, the poor man cannot live. No. I just, like, this is almost like a two pies moment for me. Where it's like... Really? Yeah. Honestly, I, I kind of feel it. It's so out of place. It's so mean. And I'm sure some of our listeners will be like, oh, no, this is just, like... I think that this is also, like, harassment. Like, I feel like Michelle could report this to HR. Like, my boss showed up outside of work hours and harassed me out of a business. <laughs> like, I think he has a case. Do you think the inn actually has an HR department? No. I mean... I feel like Lorelai I mean, would no. be the HR right? department. She would be it. Small business, that's the way it usually kind of is. Guys, uh... Quick question. Have you guys ever gone to a diner or something of that kind and ran into someone that you didn't think you were going to run into? 
off the top of your head? No, I don't really go to diners. Not a okay. diner, but like I've ran into people out and about. One time, this is a little scandalous. It was like Ooh. eight o'clock in the morning on a Saturday or, or like nine or something. We were having family breakfast and I saw the English teacher and the creative writing teacher <gasps> having breakfast together. <gasps> was, were you in high school? I was in high school. <gasps> and um, the English teacher I actually knew really well. Like she was my English teacher the year before and like she was part of the clubs and stuff. So as soon as we locked eyes, like we, our eyes met, she just went, shit. (laughs) (laughs) And looked away. And I was like, okay, I saw nothing. I saw nothing. I say nothing. (laughs) I feel like that's almost as good as my teacher drama because we have to share it now. In middle school, there were these English teachers that co-taught. So they had like one giant classroom that had those collapsible Mm -hmm. walls that they collapsed and they like co-taught together. And one was a man, one was a woman, and they were great teachers. And at one point during a class discussion, somebody was talking about people talking in their sleep. And the female teacher apparently said, oh, Mr. So-and-so does that. Oh, my God. Yep. How do you know? <laughs> That's yep. so And it awkward. turned out that they had been, like, you know, in a relationship or whatever for a while, but... Why is it the English like, teachers? That spread throughout the school like wildfire. <laughs> I never had any fun drama like that with the teachers. Well, I never told anyone, but now I told the podcast, so. (laughs) (laughs) What wasn't fun drama was Lorelai scaring Michelle out of the diner. Um, Yeah. And then, you know, I'm assuming they probably had a pretty fine meal. I mean, the thing is, most diners, like crappy diners, great diners, the food is all right, right? You're going there for like... Pancakes, I mean, it's breakfast bacon. food. It's yeah. very difficult to, like, really mess up breakfast food to the point Eggs. that it's inedible. It's fine. I'm It'll in a different... Fine. New Jersey's known for diners. There's so many diners around me. Like, they have some... They have good food, like Italian food. Um, But also New Jersey has so much Italian food. Yeah. Like, it's kind of ridiculous. There's a diner close to my brother's house out there that we eat from literally every time we go there because the food is just so good. We 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 take out every time. But um, going on back to the Gilmore Girls, Rory needs to ask a favor. Mm-hmm. She does not want to go to Friday night dinner. And can she get her out of it? And I love that Lorelai, her immediate expression is like, what? No. And she goes, I want to oh. talk to Dean. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, Lorelai will not let Rory out of Friday night dinner for just any reason, because that's sending her into the lines and by herself, essentially. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like, you know, we've talked about all of the red flags in this relationship to the point where it's, like, becoming redundant. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the fact that Rory absolutely needs to be there the moment that Dean arrives home so that she can break the news to him and he won't explode or get mad or whatever another red flag you should be able to like you shouldn't be that worried about how he's going to react like think about it the girl has a broken wrist and she's scared that her boyfriend's gonna get super mad at her i mean i understand wanting to like not have confrontation just as a non-confrontational person and this is 
literally, hey, while you were gone, I hung out with a boy that you don't like. We essentially went on a date driving the car that you built for me and he crashed it and it's totaled and I have a broken wrist. So like, you can be the nicest person in the world. Nobody's going to handle that well. That's Mm -hmm. totally fair. And, you know, she says later on in the episode, I thought he was going to break up with me. And she should have. sound devastated about it. But that's what I was going to say. He should have. Yeah. Yeah. Because last time we really saw Dean, wasn't that the she likes Jess moment? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. yeah he, he said she likes for Jess. Like three weeks. Yeah, he's <laughs> been in Chicago for like eight episodes, it feels like. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, we only know he's been in Chicago this one episode. Yeah. So Rory does get out of Friday night dinner, right? Because yeah. she needs to talk mm-hmm. to, to Dean when he gets home. And yeah. Lorelai needs more time to think up an excuse as to why Rory isn't a cast. And her yeah. excuse is currently really big bees. Okay. Eventually it came that she has the flu, but only because Bunny Carlington Munchausen has the flu. Munchausen by Munchausen. Proxy? right <laughs> does she really <laughs> or, or just does she think she does well um richard is working he is the ceo of the gilmore group and he's a consultant guys consultant's a job like if i tell you he consults you would understand what that means right he, he yes. sits down and literally talks to people yeah exactly that's like the magic and also like the common joke of consultant positions is like really you are getting paid to like give your opinion and be an expert and it's hard to quantify that i guess in terms of like what does that look like but it's there are plenty of consultants out there good for them i wish i could get paid to just think (laughs) right but that comes after like years of experience years of working i mean richard's presumably in his 60s like, he yeah. clearly has 40-plus years in the business, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Richard comes in with a damn it. Like, he's super upset because Margie is not going to work for him because he will not match her salary. What about loyalty? What about matching my damn sa- salary? What about loyalty? What about paying my bills every month? Right. Yeah, and she already right. did like so much work for him. I can only presume on her own time to help set up his office. Yeah, because yeah. you see how he is with Lorelai. Yeah, like the the knocking on the desk, the give me, mm-hmm. give me. How did he treat her? This is like Lorelai's his daughter. This just it just reminds me of Mad Men. Like I never even really mm-hmm. watched Mad Men, but it just makes me feel like that's how he treats all of the women in his office. You're here yeah, to serve I did watch Mad Men. to do what I tell you. That's the vibe. And it's really disappointing because I feel like we've seen a couple of, like, good growth moments for Richard. But this mm-hmm. is going back to, like, the obscene level of privilege and yeah. the, like, how far removed he is from reality. Because, yeah, if you are asking somebody to leave a position for less pay, like, that's, you can't do that. There needs to be, like, stock options. Yeah. There needs to be some kind of potential, huge potential growth to make that disparate, that that 
lower income level worth it long term. Yeah. And the funny thing is, the fact that Margie cannot come to work with him is like going to crumble his operation. So Mm -hmm. you're telling me that this one employee is making or breaking, but you're not willing to pay her what she's worth? Yeah. Richard. (laughs) They just fold. And on, yeah, and with that too, Lorelai says, "Just find another secretary." And he goes, "Oh, he's had other secretaries three other times." But they also say Margie has been with him since Lorelai was a child. So mm-hmm. you're telling me he's had the same secretary for twenty five, thirty years, and he has never tried out another secretary. And because a couple decades ago, some other ones didn't work out, you can't find another one. I mean, let's call it how he is. It, he's being a an idiot. Yeah. Well, sorry. Yeah. No, legitimately, he probably even is one, right? Yeah, he yeah. probably even is. But like, also, we I would be remiss if we don't mention there was a lot of fat phobia. Oh my gosh! Yes, and like just inappropriate jokes. And I get it; it was the time, and that's what people did back then. I'm starting to think just people back then were assholes. I mean, they were. But, like, you yeah. wouldn't make these jokes about Suki. Like, we have no right. idea what Margie looks like, actu- actually looks like, but... And I would almost let Lorelai get away with it, because it's clearly a nickname that she made up as a kid, and it probably just came out of her Stuck. mouth before she even thought about it. I wish she would have been mm-hmm. like, oh, that's inappropriate, and said something along the lines of, that's inappropriate. Then Emily continues on, that rotund ingrate, really? Yeah. She's clearly needed for this. Yeah. And you're going to result to that? Really? Like, I can't imagine leaving the security of a job I had for over two decades, right? Kind of keeping with our, our headcanon of approximately 25 years. Like, I can't imagine leaving a job that I've had for 25 years where I'm presumably getting paid well, to work for someone whose wife calls me a rotund ingrate who will not match my current salary. Like, I get it, Margie. Live your best life. Do not right. work for Richard Gilmore. Get like, out. Yes. Hold strong, girl. <laughs> so going back to Rory, mm-hmm. she's, you know, waiting diligently for Dean to arrive in Chicago, letter in hand. And they arrive and this random man, presumably the dad, just says, hi, Rory, and goes inside. <laughs> the bald the mom, guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> the mom is already inside and cooking roast. She just came back I... from Chicago. So, like, we, <laughs> we saw the car pull up, right? Because, yes. like, Dean's getting out of the car. This completely blew my mind that my mom's making roast. I'm like, do you know how long it takes to make roast? Right? It's dark Maybe outside. Maybe she didn't go. Maybe. Maybe it was Maybe. just Dean and his dad. I don't know. Because we don't see Clara get out of the car either. That It's very true. So it might have been a boy's trip, but I just love that they couldn't get an actor to, like, represent Dean's dad. They just got an extra to just walk right in. But he got to say a line, which means he got paid like an actor uh, well, or like mm-hmm. a, you know, special, mm-hmm. special extra. Now, but we see... <laughs> They also must not have any bags, or he just like rushes into the house. Well, he Dean's has dad that one is bag gone. Yeah, Dean has a bag, a duffel bag, because he, he kicks, kicks that it. bag. Yeah, 
let's talk about this letter, guys. We don't read the letter. We don't know what it says, but we can tell. First off, this man reads this letter at incredible speeds. Yeah. For, like, all the crap we give Dean about being maybe not so bright, like, he's a speed reader. (laughs) I will mention the one thing I do like about Dean right away. He immediately is like, what happened to your arm? Yep. Are you okay? Like, he noticed it right away. Yes. Yeah. He starts reading the letter after, like, Rory's insistent, please just read the letter. Mm -hmm. And the first, like, paragraph or something is, I love you. Something to do with that. Yeah. Right? And then he starts getting angry. He's reading the Jess accident. He gets so angry that he kicks his bag. Rory, like, actually goes backwards. Mm-hmm. Right. You see her kind of like stare at the bag. Mm-hmm. And then she says it gets better at the end. Right. Mm-hmm. The end being that just left and all of Dean's anger leaves. And he just goes, is he really gone? Yes. Come inside. You know what, Dean? You should have broken up with Rory because it took another dude leaving for you to essentially get your girlfriend back. Yeah. Yep. What if Jess hadn't left? You know, what if he was still in town? Would that have been enough for Dean to finally go, okay, this is not cool anymore? Dean would have, like, marched over to the diner and started a fight with Jess, like, immediately. Oh, yeah. yeah. He would have done what Ror- or what Lorelai set out to do last time. Yep. But, like, there's so many times. I mean, we've talked about it. How many times Dean has, or Rory, should have broken up with Dean, right? Mm-hmm. Either or. Mm-hmm. And, like, every time they don't break up, it's just, like, another moment of, like, oof. I, this, this is not good. For me, like, yes, Rory is clearly the one who is, like, falling out of love. Her feelings are the one that she's growing feelings for Jess. Dean sees this happening, and he's kind of in denial and just trying to pretend that it's not. I feel like coming back from an unknown length trip and your girlfriend's arm is broken, she let this boy that you hate wreck your car, was hanging out with him. Like, that to me is like, you know what? I I back Lost off. I'm done. Yeah. Like, this is just, your feelings are clearly not as invested in this as I am. It's time to walk away. Because here's a question. Do you think Rory was trying to get Dean to break up with her? I don't think so, especially because of what we know about, like, future episodes, how she's still, like, in later episodes, absolutely insistent that, no, I love Dean. He's my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. I do think that if he had broken up with her, like we've said, she wouldn't have been, like, super It wouldn't have been, like, the first time. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's fully expecting it at this point. I mean, she even tells Lorelai here in a few minutes that she was fully expecting it. I think she recognizes that she's not treating him well and that it's not fair to him. But I think Rory is terrified of change. And Dean has been, regardless of everything we've said, this constant source of comfort for her. And giving that up, regardless of what you're feeling, is hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. I've always thought about this letter, right? And how she Mm -hmm. does this through a letter. And it feels very Rory Gilmore. But at the same time... I think this is, like, not in this particular instance, because this is two people who do not need to be together. But I think I probably took it away from this episode. But, like, 
if I have something really serious that I need to tell somebody and I want to make sure I get all my points and I don't want to get caught up in emotions, writing it in a letter or like mm-hmm. writing it down and having them read it totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. So we're we're going to go a little out of order here, but we are going to read from some of our listeners specifically about this scene and about the letter. Ash Mischke on Instagram says, in a normal relationship, fine, because it helps you get your thoughts together. But here, it's obviously because she doesn't trust him to actually listen to her or not get super angry, which is not a good thing at all. Although he did come down from being angry quickly, so that was a plus. But would he have if the resolution wasn't that Jess was now gone and not part of the picture anymore? Rob's not. Which, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we were saying before. Like, if Jess didn't just bounce, like, the triangle would still be at full force. Mm-hmm. And it would be even worse. I mean, spoiler alert. It's about to be even worse. Jess can leave, but the triangle still exists. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also got a response from the sloth woman who says, I love the back and forth between the back and forth thing between the letter and Dean's reaction. So funny. But seriously, the fact that she wrote him a letter like that shows how scared she was of his reaction. Any normal boyfriend would have been primarily concerned about her health or safety after a car accident. Which, I mean, to his credit, that is the first thing that Dean does. But, no, he's definitely preoccupied with the Jess drama. We also had a comment from Fabs Baldacini. So sorry if I butchered that. Who says, Dear Rory, please go work on your communication skills. (laughs) Fair. Um, And Kendra said unrealistic how fast he reads the letter i'm telling you also (laughs) fair and it's so funny because you see him acting reading right eyes skimming across page and he'll go back and forth like twice and he'll look up and have read a whole paragraph like what dang speed reader (laughs) um we got even more comments a lot of people had you know opinions on this susanna writes why is he so physically aggressive but i'm glad he didn't hold it against her And invited her in. I agree. I don't really like the kicking scene. Toxic. Um. Anyways, Ellen says, I do think that this exchange is spectacularly written. I agree. I mean, mm-hmm. Gilmore Girls, I think, has some of the best writing. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, <laughs> that's all I have to say. Um, Leah writes, I like the idea of writing to explain what happened. But Dean clearly has anger issues. Yeah. And Kay just tells us that, to be honest, she hasn't seen that episode yet. But when she does, she'll send us her her thoughts. So (laughs) thanks, Kay. Let us know. (laughs) But yeah, most of our listeners are in the same boat of like, this was aggressive. This was weird. But it was also like kind of anticlimactic at the end, right? Yeah, because they, and I mean, Rory comments on it later. It just ends with like, he's really gone. All right, they're going to go eat roast with his family. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. And so Rory, after this date, really, right? Like, she stays over and, like, has, like, dinner with them and hangs out with them. They watch TV. Yeah. Not in quotes. She comes over. Presumably, it's Friday night, right? Yeah. Like, after dinner and everything. And explaining everything to Lorelai. And I just, I don't get it. Like, my mom would never make a joke of, like, oh, but were you really, like, having sex or making out? Yeah. 
that's weird, right? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. It's but, the, the it's the Lorelai Rory relationship yeah, thing where there's like mother and daughter, they're best friends. But I didn't think that it was weird when I was a kid. I thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, mom, like Lorelai's so cool. And now as a thirty year old woman, I'm like, that's kind of weird. Yeah, well, I mean, this exchange between friends would be totally normal. Like, if I had a friend who was like, oh, yeah, I went over and watched TV. I'd be like, were you really watching TV? But, like, my mother would never be like, oh, yeah, oh. like, we watched a movie. Were you really watching a movie? No. Like, no. that would never happen. Ick. I'm totally going to do that to my daughter when she's older just to mess with her. <laughs> like, I don't want to know the answer. I just know she's like, ah, mom, and stomp away. And that's fully what I expect. <laughs> So during this scene, Rory is preparing to take a shower, and it seems like it's the first shower she's taken since getting the cast on her arm. And so they are, like, wrapping her arm. They do such a bad job of wrapping her arm. Like, they do, like, some cling film. (laughs) There's a hair, like, a yeah, one of those, like, shower caps. Yeah. When you actually shower with a cast on, either you have to, like, have your arm out of That's the water or you put like a bag all the way over and then you would seal it up above the cast right mm-hmm. you don't just put some cling film around the cast <laughs> like isn't your wrist like i'm not saying like it's a great thing to break but like isn't that like the easiest way like it's you can literally have your arm out of the shower I have to say, trying to wash your hair sans a hand uh, well, yeah. is incredibly difficult. I can imagine, yes. So one other thing that I want to point out in the scene, and Emily has pulled up the episode, and I'm so glad she's paused it exactly where it is. This scene, this particular scene in this kind of ho-hum, boring episode, is one of the most gorgeous moments that Lauren has, I think, on the show across like the all seven seasons. She looks so phenomenal in this t-shirt, like her makeup, her hair. She's the glowing, most fresh-faced 30-something-year-old woman I've ever seen. (laughs) Well, we definitely notice her hair is different because her hair now has red undertones or something like that. Her hair has changed in the last, like, two episodes. Yeah. And I agree. She looks beautiful. I just remember when I was watching this for this I, I watched it a couple of times and i was just like oh my god lauren what is your skincare routine <laughs> like she looks unreal i do know lauren graham specifically mentions or maybe you told me jess at one point that she is a runner oh yeah oh well hey i should start running then um, yeah, right? <laughs> if it made me look like lauren graham yes please but going back to the scene they have a little conversation of like what if it was Dean? Well, Dean wouldn't have done the accident, right? And I'm like, guys, Lorelai does not know the definition of an accident. It's an unforeseen event. Like, yeah. Lorelai's already decided that Jess was trying to kill Rory by right? crashing the car. Mm-hmm. Like, she's convinced this he is the Antichrist. He's a serial killer. And... On this line that I have it paused on, too, he knows you wouldn't do anything to hurt him. But, like, Rory, what have you been doing these past episodes while you're blatantly hanging out with a boy that you know your boyfriend doesn't like? Doesn't matter. Jess is gone. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, she specifically had to go to Dean's house because she knew her actions would hurt him. 
And she didn't want him learning about them from anybody else. Which is good to go about it that way. But, like... But, I mean, like, he knows you wouldn't do anything to hurt him. You already have. She has. That's why this happened. Even without the accident, she's already done multiple things to hurt him. And Lorelai knows this because he's gone to her to bitch about it at least twice. (laughs) We've already had at least two very (laughs) uncomfortable conversations between the two of them. (laughs) Of her essentially saying Rory would never hurt you because he's there because she hurt him. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Is Lorelai gaslighting Dean? (laughs) Shit. I have no I have no answer for that. I cannot give a definitive answer. Yeah. There's one other thing that Lorelai does in this scene that is really confusing. She has resumes already. Oh, yeah. But yes. she just found out about this presumably two and a half hours ago. How does she already have resumes? It's not like she has a laptop to like boot it up and put it on career builder. Well- this is just the Rory black hole that is. Gilmoreisms. Like, honestly, thinking about the timeline of she came from dinner where there was no way they were moving forward mm-hmm. without Margie to maybe they used Richard's computer when maybe. she was there. And she, I'm trying to think about early 2000s. Maybe there was a place where people would just post their resumes. You know, it was a different time. Who knows? Let's see Monster.com. When did that come out? Yeah, it is weird that she already has them. Say so that or Career Builder was a big mm. one. Oh, Career Builder, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, theoretically, there are ways. I just thought it was weird that she would already have It is. It's a very resumes. quick turnaround. But yeah. I guess that's the episode. The episode, we're just trying to move on to the next thing right mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. Um, that's this episode. It feels disjointed. Right? Yeah. Because, like, the diner scene to this scene feels so different. It does. So our next scene is we finally get to Richard's office. Richard's got this new office for his new business, and Lorelai has offered to come and help him out. And she gets there, and it's a mess. Yeah, there's boxes everywhere. The phone rings, but it goes straight to voicemail. Richard cannot has this take care of man himself. never heard of an instruction manual? No, I don't think he has. <laughs> like, my mom and I have been renovating my grandma's bathroom and kitchen as a surprise for her. She's on vacation, so she'll come home on Tuesday to see it. And we got her a new vanity with a new faucet and handles, new sink. And my mom's like, I have no idea how to install it. I'm like, have you read the instructions? Well, no, I've never done it before. That's the, the instructions. instructions. <laughs> and you know what's even better about living in this age? You can just look it up on YouTube. And they'll usually have it. Right? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Somebody posted on my neighborhood Facebook group that YouTube failed them while they tried to fix a sprinkler. So, <laughs> In this day and age, though, back in 2002, YouTube was not an option, but instruction manuals were. And Richard has not even tried to solve any of his problems. I think that's my biggest gripe with Richard is, so she gets there and it's incredibly cold. And it's because he hasn't even been willing to touch the thermostat to try to fix the problem. He's just accepting it. Which, like, that's a level of, like, ineptitude that, like, this man shouldn't be able to run a business. 
Like, we are repeatedly told that Richard is a strong, intelligent, competent individual. And you throw him out here into all this women's work and he can't do any of it because that's what it feels like. It feels like this is the secretary's work and he that's beneath him. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like the husband who um, comes home and the the wife went away for the weekend. So he has no idea what to eat. So he just doesn't eat. Yeah. Weaponized incompetence. Um, mm-hmm. So Lorelai comes in and immediately Richard is wowed by the fact that she is capable of adjusting a thermostat. She's capable of unforwarding a telephone. Um, <laughs> Reading an instruction manual. She's just like, doing all of these things that she says, hey, I have to I have to know how to do this for my job. You have to know how to do these things to be a human being. Right. <laughs> Not if you're so rich, you can just make people do everything for you. What I love is that as wild as he is, he's still her dad. And watch your language, young lady. Okay, dad, you take care of this on your own. I'll see you later. Lorelai's 33. (laughs) So they eventually decide that they need to go and get office supplies. Mm -hmm. And I will say, for me, the office supply scene is like the saving grace of this episode. Yes. This is like... I love the... The repertoire between them, the conversation, yeah. the banter. That's this is pro- that's probably the best part of this episode. It's honestly so funny how she's like, do you want to come sit in the cart? And he goes, I'll pass. And like, <laughs> like he, it was an actual question. I just, I love that this is like one of the opportunities for their like similar sense of humor to bounce off mm-hmm. of each other. They don't have a lot of opportunities because every time they're good, they're suddenly bad. Even in this episode, right? It's like, oh, wow, things are going great, and then things are going terribly. But this is just fun. Of course, it's also, again, poking fun at Richard being so unaware of how things go. Like, he didn't know that you could go to an office supply store. He didn't know that you could get different types of paper clips or that coffee makers could be 40% off. Like, buddy. You guys noticed the parallel, though, between Richard and and Lorelai? Richard also raises his voice for servers or for yeah. service. Oh, the gosh, same yeah. exact thing that Lorelai did at the diner. Richard I forgot does. about that part. Yeah. Yeah, that's like an icky parallel. <laughs> yeah. Like straight up just yelling in the middle of the store. I guess nobody works here to help me with my thing. Like, can't you just like walk around and find somebody? Like, they right. have jobs to do. Do and you this really looks do help? like not. Not like, you know, when they used to have all of the different office supply stores, like you had your Office Max, Office Depot, Staples. Now they're like all combined and stuff, but Mm -hmm. it didn't look like your average office supply store. This looked like the kind of office supply store you go to that's just like you work in an office office, and you're getting supplies. This Mm -hmm. isn't like average consumer stuff. So no, there's probably not somebody just walking around to help you. I don't know, this kind of looked like the office supplies by my house. Yeah, it kind of looked like Office Depot, to be honest. Yeah. one. No, mine are always bigger. Wider aisles. I I mean, they were in aisles. I think we just see a very small portion of what they're actually in. I think it was not designed true to what they would actually be, because the coffee makers would not be in the same aisle (laughs) as the pens. (laughs) 
<laughs> or even in the next aisle. True. Yeah. Before we leave this scene, I just want to mention one thing that we learn, and that's that Emily uses post-it notes on her mm-hmm. mirror as reminders. That's so cute. I love that. It makes her it makes her feel real. Mm-hmm. Right? But it also yeah. makes me think like Emily Gilmore doesn't have like a schedule or like a planner or something. She probably does. Maybe these are like Extra little reminders. reminders like yell at yeah. the maid. Have I been racist today? You know, those <laughs> kind of things. <laughs> oh god, please let that what be. What I was trying to say. <laughs> Was that, um, I feel like that's something Lorelai could also do. Right? Oh, yeah. Put yeah. little post its. Right? Just a little I, something my mom does. I don't, we don't really have that scene in this episode, but I love the little scene sprinkled throughout the entire series where it just truly shows Lorelai and Emily are the same person. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, this episode is kind of disjointed. So now we're at Lane and Rory. Forget about the accident. We're done with that for now. Mm hmm. There's a new store in town, guys. And it's a music shop. It's all papered up. Yeah. It's not the ceramic circus store that they thought was going in. What the hell would have... I Like, circus-themed ceramics, I guess? Which, only in Stars Hollow. <laughs> you know what? This is the absolutely 100% most unbelievable moment of this entire episode. That Stars Hollow getting a music store would not be, like top town news for months (laughs) beforehand yeah like as soon as the contract is signed of this is what it's gonna be everybody would have known i mean my hometown got a wendy's and we knew about it a year and a half in advance (laughs) (laughs) i mean i feel like well one this music store it's not like a place or it doesn't look like a place where you would buy like cds or albums it's more of a musical instrument focused store Mm -hmm. so you know maybe less cool factor but yeah at the same time they would have brought this up in a town meeting right you can't tell me that they have town meetings and that they don't also say this new business is coming in the town meeting wouldn't even be this new business is coming in it would be this new business wants to rent this specific location on this street and i don't know if this is a great idea let's take a vote (laughs) they'd have a real footloose moment (laughs) What yes. we're talking about is that Taylor's annoying. Exactly. And, oh, who's in this scene is actually Taylor. And <laughs> yeah. um, Rory sees Taylor. She goes up to him and she apologizes. For his fancy new Benz. Because although it's been one episode in between, it mm-hmm. has been reconned from a pole to a bench. Maybe he hit both. Maybe the pole and the bench were next to each other. I guess. But apparently the the bench flipped over or got destroyed and it had the dozy sign on it. And Rory's sorry about it. Uh, Taylor has this weird thing about pain meds. Or like... Yeah. Don't get addicted to painkillers like those Hollywood types. Yeah. But don't take too little because that's death. Yeah. You don't want to shut your body up too early because pain is your body's way of saying... You're not okay now, but you will be soon, which is a wild thing to say. This is like, not a, it's kind of like the B plot, but it's almost like a C plot of Rory becoming increasingly frustrated because she feels responsibility, at least in part, for the accident. And mm-hmm. every time she talks about it, people say, no, you are perfect. You are fine. You did nothing wrong. And so originally, you know, we had Lorelai say it. 
Now we're having Taylor say it. And she's starting to get more upset every time. So we've said it many, many times that literally everybody in Stars Hollow treats Rory like a child. Mm-hmm. And this is a continuation of it. Of oh no, it's not your fault. It's okay. It's okay. Jess is the big bad bean boy who who made you do these things. I'm I'm even thinking that it's crossing over from child to like angel. Yeah, yeah. like up on this pedestal, mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of refreshing, I think, to finally see Rory notice it. Oh, mm-hmm. definitely. But the store, like two seconds ago, we see it like newspapered. And then two mm-hmm. seconds later, it's open. Yes. Yeah. Open, sign on the wall, fully, fully ready, re- ready to go. And Lane cannot help herself. Here's the most obvious time is a uh, black hole. Because this all happens in the same week, but that doesn't look that way. This looks like mm-hmm. a month later, but mm-hmm. not really. Like, Lane should have been looking in this window three months ago. Right. To see, oh my god, it's going to be a music store. And at that point, it would, like, maybe some guitars sitting around, some sheet music. It it would not be what it is when she walks into it literally the next day. A fully prepared, ready-to-sell thing store. Mm-hmm. But what I love is that Kirk is already there, applying <laughs> for the job, even though he's not even wanted. No. <laughs> but he is licensed to carry. That was a weird thing to include, right? Yeah. And and Sophie's response, you have no idea how much how helpful that actually is. Like this is Connecticut. I don't know what Sophie thinks is happening. <laughs> and not even Connecticut. This is Stars Hollow. Right? Their police officer rides around on a bike. And I'm pretty sure he's <laughs> the only one. He's one of two. I, I he, don't know. he wasn't able to Oh, I guess this is in the future. He isn't able to arrest all of the invading troubadours because his sister borrowed his car. Like, <laughs> this is their police force. This is their crime life. It's non-existent there. Yeah. Well, so well, Kirk is trying to get a job and Lane is just in awe. Because we know that Lane loves music. And we think of Lane, I think of Lane as a drummer, right? Yeah. Lane mm-hmm. is a drummer. But the entire first season, n- no, she's... She's not. Lane is a good little kid who does what her mom tells her, but secretly rebels where she can. Yeah. I'm really glad that Lane is finally getting something, right? Mm -hmm. Because it feels like for so long, like, even the cheerleading, she had, like, for half a second and never again, right? Yeah. She doesn't have any plot points outside of Rory. Finally, she's getting music. Finally, she's getting this. It's going to suck a little when it becomes her personality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. later on but right now it's so nice to see her as a drummer the, yeah. the series starts off with lane's role is rory's best friend like mm-hmm. that is that is her entire personality and we'll give her these little things here and there just to make plot points essentially but like her role is rory's best friend mm-hmm. and we're now getting into the point where like no lane has a personality and likes and dislikes and traits and things she wants to do and we're finally starting to see that well, moving back to the office, Richard and Lorelai have a t- been a couple of days, it seems, and mm-hmm. they have a system. They are a great team. Yeah. Yeah, she's shelving, um, and she's being the world's best sidekick. Like, mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. needs things. I don't Here like the is. way that he, like, asks for Knocks them. on the yeah, table. Uh, whatever. And... But, like, she knows what to do. And, like, mm-hmm. she's willing to help. 
I like that he says, who needs Margie? Yeah. Yeah. That's sweet. It is really sweet. And I do appreciate this scene in this episode because um, even earlier we talked about, like, Lorelai maybe not being the greatest employee or whatever. But, like, Mm -hmm. this shows that she is very competent and very capable as a Mm -hmm. business leader, as an organizer. Like, she has taken this from a bunch of boxes to a completely well-stocked office that is a smooth operation with two people in a matter of days. And Richard sees that. And I love that. Yes, I love that Richard is acknowledging these things about Mm -hmm. Lorelai. Because more often than not, Lorelai is his, I can't even, I can't say it with a straight face by any means, but like his failed daughter is what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. she did not live up to his expectations and for the first time it feels like she's proving to him like no i i can and i do do these things yeah like like it or not i'm your daughter i am an intelligent competent individual and i can really do whatever i set my mind to whether you like it or not and you know what she also is employed at a different job yeah <laughs> we i think we commented about this before we started recording but like she just did this with the diner, or with Luke's diner, right, not too long ago. She just worked there for a couple of days. Now she's off working for her dad for a couple of days. That is some flexibility. Yeah. I mean, it pays when you're the manager. And your boss lives out of state. Yeah. I guess it literally pays because she's salary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's not losing money over this. Nope. Yeah. She does get a phone call while Richard is on another phone call. And it's her mom calling to talk about a party she's planning. And if you watch the uh, show on Netflix with captions like I do, it says she, like, affects a bimbo voice or something. But I I love Lorelai. I appreciate her sense of humor a lot of the time. But this just felt like, uh, Lorelai, you're really going to ask you guys. Funny play. or cruel? It's just <laughs> weird. Mean. It's weird to be like, I'm going to play, like, like slutty secretary on the phone with my mom about my dad. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> it's a joke of the time. That's literally yeah. the only thing I can say to even remotely defend that. I I do think she realizes she goes too far because she immediately stops it. Yeah. 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 But yeah, Emily is throwing a party and we'll see that party. Well, what's good is that... There's no Friday night dinner because of it. Rory mm-hmm. and Lorelai mm-hmm. just have to go to the party. Yes. Also, during that scene, we find out that there's resumes and um, mm-hmm. I was going to call him Luke. He is not Luke. <laughs> Richard is going to go through those resumes. And he doesn't seem heartbroken about it. He seems like, okay, no. that makes sense. At this moment. Yep. Yeah. At this moment. <laughs> going back to Rory... Rory's going home, and Babette runs after her. And I don't know if you're going to cover this in fashion. Her outfit? Yeah, Babette looks amazing. Yeah, Babette she does. always looks amazing. Like, that red really compliments her. She's also got, like, a great haircut right now. Like, mm-hmm. strong bangs. Now, this is the second time I think we've seen Babette talk about, like, her super disastrous past with men. Yeah. 
Babette had has had a life, man. Mm-hmm. Babette is a is a survivor. Like she has been through a lot. This is her telling about Rory about how she accidentally wound up in a cult because of a guy. And I think Babette is the most agrarious example of somebody being like, Rory, you're a sweet, innocent baby, and this man made this happen to you. Just uh, this a is dirty little wolf. Yeah. Bet here just gives me like strong grandma vibes. Not like Emily Gilmore grandma, but just like overall grandma vibes when she's talking like this. I, I don't get this because like last episode, uh, the movie marathon, like they were literally across from them and she didn't do this whole production. Yeah. But, but now she has to. It, it yeah. kind of just seems like a busybody. Oh, I mean, but yeah. that's Babette, right? That's kind yeah. of. Who Babette is. Their title is. is the town gossip. Yeah. Her and yeah. Patty I mean, and remember the first time Dean came over and she, like, trapped him outside of the house? Like, she this literally is literally shanghaied him for, like, 45 minutes. <laughs> Guys, she said the grossest line. She said, uh, he has chest hair you can carpet your dining room with. Ah. Uh, right? Some people are into that. I'm not. But you know what? Like, especially people who were of uh babette's like generation and that age i mean like burt reynolds right mm-hmm. mm, yeah <laughs> i don't know Tom i was Selleck. grossed out <laughs> just it, not even that like harry chess are discussing but just like the way she says yeah, the, it, way the she phrase says it. like that phrase is just sounds weird icky um but i think that babette is really the one that pushes rory too far yeah she's been growing more and more kind of resentful of this sentiment and having Babette literally chase her to her home to like continue shoving that point in she's just done yeah i mean she literally oh you sweet poor baby you can't think for yourself heaven forbid somebody try you know try to lead you astray thank god we Mm -hmm. caught him like that's just it's what it feels like and yeah rory's done she's over it so um lorelei's not home so she has an empty house, and there's a little rabbi. Oh yeah, money's under with the rabbi. Money and the rabbi. Oh yeah. And then Lane calls. Anybody else weirded out that apparently Lane can leave hymnal practice to make a phone call to a friend? Yeah, this didn't feel like Accurate. it didn't feel like something she'd be allowed to do. No, and I mean she was in the front row, like next to her mom. Mm-hmm. So, like, her mom would definitely notice that she's not there. Kind of thing. Right? Well, and she comes back in and her mom just, like, hands the book back to her and, like, points to the spot on the page where they're singing. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever sang hymns at church or anything like that. I grew up in Baptist church singing hymns. Like, it's, there are three to four lines. They just repeat. It's it's hard to find your place. mm and Lane leaves in the middle of this to make a phone call to her friend. Yeah, and also like, yeah. walk around with her drumsticks. <laughs> I think she's just so excited. She probably even just stole the phone and just went straight outside. Yeah. Like, she's on the house phone. To me, it just felt like she ran out mid-practice and was like, my mom can't chase me because she's singing so I can make this <laughs> phone call now. That feels right. Honestly, the strangest part of this episode for or this scene for me is that Lane puts the house phone down outside. 
yeah. I was just like, yeah. where does, that's not where that goes. <laughs> what are you doing, um, Lane? I love all the chairs that decorate their lawn. And I mean, I know they're in an antique <sighs> store, but like, that's such a weird sight. Like, if you didn't know, there's just chairs on their lawns. Funny. I yeah. can see Taylor being upset about there being yeah. chairs on the front lawn. <laughs> but I would not expect Taylor to come out on top in a fight against Mrs. Kim. <laughs> I don't win. expect anybody to come out on top in a fight against Mrs. Kim. I don't know. Emily might. Like, <laughs> I was like, except toe-to-toe. maybe Emily when <laughs> antiquing. So we do hop back to Richard's office mm-hmm. and things are so good. Things have been going so well. And then this happens. Uh, it's time for interviews. Mm-hmm. With a lady named Karen, not associated with the 2022 version of Karen. She's actually named Karen. And yes. she's doing a great interview. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, she seems like a solid find. And Richard could not Richard, care less. Yeah, he has literally no interest in this. Nope. And Lorelai is trying. But, like, I I would feel so awkward if I was Karen in this interview where it is so clear that the employer doesn't want to hear about me isn't listening to me talk about myself yeah like you hear like remember that the job wants you right Mm -hmm. and like Karen should have said no to them yeah yeah it should have just been like you know what thank you for your time I don't think this is the right fit for me however Mm -hmm. good luck but no karen does an awesome interview eventually it's over and lorelei has to like see her out because richard certainly isn't doing anything well he calls Um, her a flighty young woman richard says so many more inappropriate things of and sexist oh yeah very sexist things well she's a woman women are flighty dad she helped create this system from scratch well, women, she was with the same person for six years. Like, he's just looking for reasons to not hire her. And, and I mean, none of them are legitimate. Also, like, the reason that Karen is currently looking for work is because her female boss got pregnant. And, I mean, this is, like, where that, all of that drama stems from with, like, women in the workplace are, like, afraid mm-hmm. to tell their bosses that they're pregnant or they lose their career after they get pregnant. Because especially during this period of time, a woman got pregnant. Okay, she's out. Yeah. And Richard just proves that he would ex- be the exact same person to do Absolutely. that. Absolutely. If Karen oh, gets you pregnant, pregnant, she's gone. Okay, I need to find some other reason to fire you because at least according to the dis- I, Pregnancy and Disability Act, something like that, I can't I, legally I you fire can't you for fired, pregnancy. Yeah. But I can find other reasons. Well, guys, it's either been a couple days or a month. Who even knows at this point? But Unknown. Lorelai has been out of work that entire time. Mm-hmm. And she needs to go back to work. And Richard doesn't Richard care. Richard does not take this well at all. He basically he, kicks her out. He is offended to his core oh, that yeah. Lorelai will no longer turn her life upside down to help him create his business. That he wanted. It's like two steps forward, three steps back. Yeah, and that's always the way it is with Lorelai and Richard. Every time you think they're doing really well, something happens to drag them backwards. And, you know, they they sit down for lunch. They have this essentially little fight where Lorelai's like, I have a job. I got to leave. He dismisses her. She doesn't even get to finish her hamburger. 
No, he, she gets kicked out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, because Richard is not so living rude. in reality. Like Richard really thinks I have got it made, and like technically. If Lorelai was not currently employed happily, sure, she could come work for the Gilmore group, right? They could be the Gilmores. It could be a family business, but that's not reality. She Honestly, has a job that she loves. It, it it could have almost been reality if I mean, but Richard never even put that out there. Yeah. I think it would have been a very cute conversation. I don't know if cute's the right word. It would have been a very interesting conversation to be like, "Hey, we make a really good team. How do you feel about making this a permanent change?" But instead, it's just, oh, you have another life? Well, instead of, you know, trying to come with a compromise or discuss it or, okay, just get out. I'm going to throw a hissy fit with, like, a five-year-old because I'm not getting what I want. I mean, okay, you can have that conversation, but more, this is a different field. Yeah, more oh, absolutely. Like wants to be a in-manager. Mm-hmm. Well, like, her goal is to eventually be her own boss, which exactly. she kind of is right now but she still does have to answer to mia and is mm-hmm. at mia's whims also i love the idea of that emily that conversation that could have been had but i think that that would have required richard to have a little bit more respect for lorelei than he does yeah yeah i agree with that which it's a bummer oh oh no guys the party's on friday which means it's only been two days yep oh no i she has the, like I hate three outfit hole. changes <laughs> So there's, like, the day that she arrives and they go to the office supply store, the white shirt day where they're doing really well and they have – the applications arrive. And then we have the third day, which is where they I'm just convinced Karen. every scene we see is a different day. Like, yeah. Like, so we have Friday night dinner where Lorelai goes and tells Emily that Rory has – or implies that Rory has the flu. And then – Lorelai offers she comes to the office maybe she is still going to the end maybe she's doing like every other day or maybe doing half days but I am just convinced every single scene we see that's clearly not on the same day is the next day every time we see Rory it's the next what day what I don't get is that TV and film they have script supervisors right nobody was like what's going on here time does not make sense in Gilmore world and I know we keep harping on this and I know we need to drop it but it's so blatant. Why even mention the days? I feel you know like, okay, I mean? so let's say she goes into the office on Monday, right? They talk about it Friday. She comes to help him on Monday. Monday's mm-hmm. the day they go to the office supply store. By Tuesday or Wednesday is when they have everything set up and she's in the white shirt outfit and she's got it all organized. I mean, Thursday... Actually, you know what? Interviews? I think Tuesday, Tuesday is had, white shirt day. Wednesday. They three interviews. Wednesday has to be interview day because they would have had to hire Karen on Thursday for her to be an employee by Friday. And in because the meantime, a store. And, that, had a grand <laughs> and that's opening. assuming she has an immediate can start. Like no other job. Because she's working else, at the party. No other. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, no, yes, okay. Yeah, no, we need <laughs> Things to move on. end poorly for Richard and Lorelai. Guys, this little like window restaurant wasn't mm-hmm. it a Mexican place? Nobody knows. Th- this is where I, so it's it's called Casey's Annex, mm-hmm. but it was a Mexican I, place. This is where she picked up the, the Fiesta food. burger or whatever. Oh, with, with Max. Max? Mm-hmm. This is Al's pancake world. Whatever. That it is, could be. That is my canon in this head. 
This but Alice is, is supposed world. to be good. Yeah, I, I think Alice is like a sit-down restaurant anyways. This is uh, Casey's Annex. Um, apparently the burger sucks, but she can't stop eating it, which is a mood. Eats it anyway. At least the burger won't judge her. Because they are pre-eating before the party because they expect the party food to be not good. Rory's in a cranky mood. You know, she's frustrated. Rory's got some tood. She's yeah. She's got some tood. And she even tells Laura, like, kind of shut up. I mean, we've talked about it. Rory has been growing more and more upset about the situation. And things come to a head at the party. Um, mm-hmm. For multiple reasons. But so they get this not great dinner. They head to the party. And the party is already, like... In full force. It's a huge party in a tiny office. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, we have to reiterate, on the way there, again, Jess is gone, right? Like, it's all his fault. I hate him. Everyone loves you, Rory. You're the best. Like, you have to stop beating yourself up over this because Jess is the one in the wrong. Like, just over and over and over again. literally all worry needs is one person to be like you know what it was an accident yep it happens yeah. it's okay right. it's i i know you're upset that he's gone and he was your friend and i get that but well maybe somebody accident. will say that in this episode mm-hmm. who knows i do have a question for you guys mm-hmm. do you think this whole emily freak out when seeing the cast could have been avoided if lorelei would have oh made a phone call oh, definitely. beforehand i honestly think the grandparents are so close with them at this point that they deserved a, a phone call the night it happened yeah she could have called her parents instead of chris lorelei is lorelei is so upset about the night the night that it happened that she does call chris uh i guess i could give her a little bit of leeway for not calling them that night i do think a next day phone call at the absolute latest but yeah they arrive and Emily, of course, her first words are, you're late, which is so Emily. And Karen is hired. Yes. So Karen is hired. She should have said no, but she said yes. And Lorelai and Richard have their conversation. It does look like it's going to be a one-sided kind of like, Mm -hmm. he's still pissed off at her. But no, towards the end, like, they're good. Well, he's in a good mood because he bagged the Swede. Well, yeah. I know. I love that he makes that little joke and kind of just, like, leans into Lorelai's banter by the end of it. That he loosens up, okay. accepts that, oh, right, your life doesn't revolve around me. And okay. he goes, she's no Margie, but she'll do. With a look. Yep. Yeah. Oh. The fact that there are, like, at least two waiters walking around this two-room office with... With, like, past entree tra- or not entree, past hors d'oeuvre trays. This is such a wild rich person party. Like, yeah. This is a two room office. It's kind of uncomfortable. This is a tiny two room office. Like, where are all, where's all this food coming from? Like, did they rent out a kitchen in the building or something? They must have, because have... There's, there's no room. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, things look up for Richard and Lorelai. Mm-hmm. And then almost immediately, we're like, hey, look equilibrium we're okay again and then emily sees the cast and emily is upset because she's been lied to and it makes it worse i agree and now lorelei's like oh it's tiny it doesn't matter it's so small Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> Lorelai. Lorelai. <laughs> Wasn't she just tilting at the beginning <laughs> of this episode? <laughs> I think Emily's justified in her anger. Yeah, I mean, yeah. especially she's having the reaction that Lorelai got to have day of. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's justified in the whole Jess and then yelling at Lorelai. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, but it's the same situation we see over and over again. Like, mm-hmm. when Rory does something that makes Lorelai look bad in front of Emily, Emily takes it out on Lorelai every time. Yeah. It's yeah. the sleeping in the studio with Dean all over again. You know, like, something bad happened. Obviously, Lorelai is a bad parent because of it. No, it was just an accident. But this leads to a fight between the Gilmore girls themselves. Well, Rory explodes. In front of everybody. Yeah, Rory is just like, I was part of it. I was in that accident. I'm so tired of people treating me like a stupid little girl. I don't think she says that exact words, but something similar to that. Like, and that's what we've been saying, right? Is that everyone Mm -hmm. treats her like a little tiny kid that knows nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I have that, um, Emily's reaction. So think about, like, the Sweet 16 party when Rory went off on Emily then. And Emily Mm -hmm. was horrified and, like, was immediately like, your granddaughter or your daughter has no manners. Right. Mm-hmm. right. This time, she's concerned about Rory. Yeah. And it shows their relationship, how it's changed. Emily is definitely Rory's grandmother. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about that. I really like that. It's not just a, you're my bloodline. It's a, you're my granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yes, the Goma girls do fight and they exit the room, but still kind of, they're, I mean, they're I right assume- outside the room. Yeah, I just assume they go out into the hallway mm-hmm. that Richard's yeah. office door is on. And they fight. Oh, the exact wording is mindless idiot being led around by a guy. And like, that is, that's exactly how everyone is treating her. Lorelai doubles down. Like, she hates Jess. Yeah. And even if you absolutely hate hate this person, that's, you know, that's your own perspective but Lorelai, will you just listen to what your daughter is saying? Just listen to her. You don't even have to say it's not Jess's fault. Just listen to her. Mm-hmm. She can't even do that. She's just so wrapped up in Jess bad that she's unintentionally hurting her daughter while she's wrapped up in that. I think I may have accidentally confused a Dean moment earlier where Lorelai was defending Dean. The defending of Dean is now. Um, you know what? Lorelai defends Dean so often that, like, I get them confused. <laughs> no, I mean, they do say when they're at dinner or when they're sitting at the table and wrapping our cash, like, oh, well, maybe Dean's a better boyfriend than we even thought. So yeah. there is definitely mm-hmm. a Dean conversation there. Jess wasn't trying to get into an accident. No. Like, he swerved. I hate that this, epi- this like, thing that happens in one episode is, like, the the next three episodes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I feel like we don't get away from it. We just get told over and over again how Jess is the Antichrist and F him and let's move on. But this fight eventually, this is like one of the fights that Lorelai and Rory have where they're able to kind of get it out and then mm-hmm. immediately move on from it. Mm-hmm. Like they're able to kind of yell it out, talk it out, and then they, okay, that was a lot, you know, like, oh, okay, we got that out. Let's leave the party. <laughs> yeah. Well, Rory leaves by herself. Yeah. 
Which she can still get her normal bus. What's her normal bus? Well, presumably she missed school for this. Well, okay. I assume this was during Friday night dinner. I thought so, so like too. A seven p.m. party. No, nobody's gonna because Sophie's freaking music store closes at six, and they go. She goes past the music store while they're closing. Maybe it's okay. her normal bus that she would take if she stays late at school, like the Franklin? Like for the paper or something. Yeah, that would make sense. It could be like the. 645 because they just got here mm-hmm. but you said they close at six yeah the, the, the music, music store, store closes at six like why tell us the specific times if you're not if gonna they hold don't them match yeah <laughs> i'm gonna say it's 555 they got there at 545 no no, no. it would be 530 because the bus takes half an hour to get to stars hollow and rory is there like you oh, hear the right. music <laughs> Yeah, but it's at that, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Because yeah. the bus would, yeah. Time, guys. We need to stop with this time loop because we, we go on it. And we could probably do a podcast on that alone, but we should probably stick to this. The scenes. black hole that is the time timeline of Gilmore Girls. Because we do actually go into the next scene, which is Sophie's. She is closed now and she is trying to kick Lane out. Lane wants Lane the drums. Will not be had. Yeah, Lane wants the drums, and she proposes something. She proposes that on Wednesdays and Fridays, she comes in and exchange for work or whatever dusting she needs. Let her just play the drums, please. She'll teach her Korean. Well, and it seems Why like why would I need to know Korean? <laughs> Sophie just wants her to go, right? She's just like, no, I'm I'm closed. It seems like Sophie softens when she realizes, like. Lane is trying to do this because her mom won't let her. Like, I think Mm -hmm. Sophie recognizes that rebellion and appreciates that rebellion. And I think that's part of why she eventually gives in. Also, Lane is really not taking no for an answer. We don't really get any kind of, like, Sophie backstory. We find out eventually that she was a songwriter of some kind and has some songs on some albums. But, like, I want to throw out there... Sophie had a similar upbringing to Lane, and she's starting to see that and see herself in Lane. So she's like, okay, I'm going to have a soft spot for you. Yeah, I can totally see that. Also, I think Sophie is kind of a saint because letting somebody who does not know anything about drumming uh, <laughs> learn slash practice on a brand new drum set that you intend to sell. So, yeah. Like... Also, talk about the most annoying instrument to have to listen to while you're, like, working in the back of your business. But, no, Lane gets to drum in the pitch black. Yeah, well, she doesn't want Mrs. Kim to accidentally see her or anything. She's going to learn these drums by touch, if nothing else. Yeah. Well, as Lane plays her drums, Rory starts walking outside, and who does she see? But Luke Danes unpacking his truck. Yeah, he's coming back. He was fishing. He's come back Luke's from fishing. Not fishing anymore. Well, he didn't fish anything, but he was definitely fishing. Do you think he actually went fishing, or do you think he just like hung out on the water and just like stared? I think he probably did a little bit of <laughs> like, both for him probably to not that. have any any fish. Luke has such a like, like you know how they say like. If a little kid falls, they look at you. To see your reaction? Yes. Yeah. Can confirm. Yes. 
Yes. That's kind of how I feel, like, how he reacts to her arm. Mm-hmm. Like, he's trying to gauge her reaction, but also, like, he realizes this is not the biggest deal in the world. Well, and he says he's broken an arm before, too. Mm-hmm. So, like, he's been there. He knows what it feels like. He knows what the cast feels like. He knows it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. I feel like this is a really good, like, Luke as a father figure moment for mm-hmm. for him and Rory. Because, you know, he doesn't need to invite her in. He doesn't need mm-hmm. to make coffee and offer her a donut and... Like, he doesn't need to care for her in this way, but he does. And it's can, natural to him. Can we talk about these donuts? <laughs> they must be They've stale, right? Been sitting he there. offers her <laughs> a donut, and he's been gone for presumably a week, right? Because mm-hmm. th- this is Friday. They went to the party Friday. No. It is a week from Emily, Friday night we dinner. Keep doing this. <laughs> no, I, I'm not going. I'm not going into a black hole. I'm just saying that Luke has been gone for at least a week. And he is giving Rory a weak old donut that's been sitting in some kind of glass container. He's like, here you go. Hopefully it's airtight. (laughs) And it's free, right? A free donut. A little stale. Whatever. Everything's free for them. I'm more concerned about the donut than the time at this point. So the big point here is that they do connect about Jess. And Mm -hmm. this is the, the moment that Rory had been waiting for, where somebody finally acknowledges... This was an accident. Yeah. It's okay. It was an accident. He doesn't blame Jess, and that's what she needed to hear. There's also a moment where she's like, have you heard from him? And then says, what about his stuff? And, oh, I'm just going to send it. And, like, there's a sense of disappointment of, like, oh, he's not even coming back for his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, that's the same way he got his stuff there. Mm-hmm. He took Just what he shit. could and was sent everything mm-hmm. else, yeah. Oh, guys, this episode is not my favorite. I'm not going to lie to you guys. <laughs> but it is a good Richard and Lorelai episode. Yeah. Parts of it. <laughs> Parts of it, definitely. La, 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 who is the talent person of the week? Actually, before we do that, why don't we rewind a week? Yes. And talk about last week. So last week, we had a toss-up. We couldn't decide between Luke or Kirk. Mm-hmm. Kirk for a film by Kirk. <laughs> and Luke for being, again, kind of more of what he is today of just a good dude taking care of his nephew. So we brought it to you guys. Final numbers. We have, well, surprise me, a very clear-cut winner. 82% voted Luke. Yeah. To a measly 18% for Kirk. I mean, I, in my heart, I'm like, Kirk did a masterpiece and he deserves to be, you know. He did. Seen for that. But I also understand that Luke was the better person in that episode. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. Congratulations, Belated congratulations. Yes. To Luke. Mm-hmm. Or last week. Mm-hmm. This week. This what week. What do you think? Well, I mean, I think we talked about Lorelai could have had it, except for that scene at the diner that was terrible. The opening scene, yeah. Yeah. Richard certainly isn't going to get it. Emily didn't do anything of note. 
Luke was only in it for a moment. Good moment. I don't think Rory. Yeah, but Lane found her like future profession. Lane. Yeah. Future job. Like Lane found her calling. Exactly. Lane is the clear cut winner for me. Yeah. No question. Yeah, I agree. All right. Yeah. I guess we didn't really see her, like, truly see her long enough for her to do anything questionable. But at the same time, like, I don't think we ever really see Lane do anything questionable anyway. Yeah. I mean, skipping the hymns was a little <laughs> questionable, but I think <laughs> that's questionable no, that's in justified. that, like, it's questionable in that how does she do it rather yeah. than yes. anything else. That just shows how resourceful she is. <laughs> yeah. The worst things Lane ever does are things that are done to her by the writing. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, you're not wrong. <laughs> so. Yay, Lane. Yeah. Congratulations, Lane. You're this town, this week's town person of the week. Forever justice for Lane. Oh, yes. definitely. And after town's person of the week, we have references with Sandra. Weekly references with Sandra. Okay, guys, for today's references, I'm going to focus just on music. Three drummers and one guest star. So up first, the drummers. Lane Kim, congratulations. Lane Kim is officially on her way to becoming the drummer we all know and love. And she compares herself to three drummers. Keith Moon, Neil Peart, and Rick Allen with or without the arm. Now, Keith Moon was the drummer for the rock band The Who. He was recognized for his drumming styles, which emphasized tom-toms, which are the cylindrical drums that don't have snares on them, um, the cymbal crashes, and drum fills. So throughout his time with the Who, with the Who, uh, his drum kit actually steadily grew in size, and he's been credited as having like the biggest size drum kit. Interesting. Like, it's crazy. He's one of the first people to employ double bass drums in his setup. Wow. Yeah, he also had a reputation for destroying that setup on stage. Unfortunately, he also had an awful relationship with drugs and alcohol. He died in 1978, age 32. Um, but he is considered to be one of the best drummers of all time, even to this day. So much so that our next drummer, Neil Peart, actually cited Moon as an influence as to why he even started drumming. Pert was the drummer for the band Rush, mm -hmm. as well as the lyricist. He's known by his fans by the nickname The Professor because <laughs> his drumming was so renowned for his technical proficiency. Hmm. I love that. He was also noted for distinct in-concert uh, drum solos, which were very long and complicated. So theoretically, if you went to go see Rush, you could see like a 20-minute drum solo. I saw Travis Barker do a 20-minute drum solo at a Blink-182 concert. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I've seen Travis Barker when he was in Plus 44. I don't know if you remember. Anyways. Unfortunately, in 2020, Neil Peart did die of brain cancer. But like Moon, he's considered to be like the best drummer that ever lived. Um, lastly, we have Rick Allen, who is a drummer for Death Leopard. So... He actually joined Def Leppard when he was 15. Wow. And he was 16 when the band opened for ACDC. Damn. So what's with the comment with the arm? 
1984, he was in a car crash that ultimately ended with his left arm being amputated. Despite this horrific event, he continued to play with Death Leopard, and he even has like a specially designed drum kit. So what he does is he uses four electronic panels for his left foot to play the pieces that he would have done with his left arm. Wow. So he plays with his foot and then his right hand. It's really cool. Safe to say, I understand why Lane wants to, you know, be him, um, because I think that's awesome. But now moving on to our guest star, back in season one in our podcast, I believe it was like our second or third episode, I talked about the Gilmore Girls theme song and how it was written yes. by Carol King. Carol King is Sophie, guys. Yay! Sophie is Carol King. The grumpy music lady is the singer of the theme song. So I actually polled our audience to see how many people knew that when they were watching it live or, you know, on Netflix or whenever you watched it. Unsurprisingly, I think, five people said yes, right? They knew that she was Carol King. Okay. Seven people said yes, and they knew that she sang the theme song. But the rest of the people, so 71% said no. They had no idea she was Carol King. They had no idea that she sang the theme song. When I first watched, I had no idea. I found out, I think, after I'd been watching it for a couple years. When I was growing up, there were so many 60s and 70s artists around me, and she was definitely one of them. Since we've already spoke about her before, I don't want to repeat myself with whatever I said last time. I don't even remember. But she has some great songs. Like, Mm -hmm. You've Got a Friend, It's Too Late, her entire album, Tapestry. Um, She's won Grammys. She's been nominated for the Emmys and recently nominated for Best Original Song at the Golden Globes this year for the movie Respect. She's been given the Grammy Lifetime Award. She's been presented with the Library of Congress Gershon Prize for Popular Song from President Barack Obama. Wow. And she was the first woman to ever get it. Uh, There was actually a Broadway musical about her life aptly called Beautiful, the Carol King musical, starring Mm -hmm. Jesse Mueller and Jake Espin, a.k.a. Craig from Degrassi. I don't know if either of you guys watched Degrassi, but... No. Um, and then later on, she was played by Supergirl herself, Melissa Benowitz. It's safe to say that Carol King is pretty famous. Yes. I think that ASP and her are friends or friendly because she's not, you know, she has this little tiny recurring role here, but she's also in the revival later on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I remember when we talked about it last, this, the theme song was a song that Carol didn't love. But she it was not. through, like, the the redoing it with the daughter mm-hmm. and it being part of this show that she came to love it. And I bet she just loves Gilmore Girls. And I yeah. bet she was yeah. really excited to be a part of it. Doesn't she sing it with her daughter now? Yeah, like, she for the, does. For the intro? Louise. I'm not quite sure why they made her, like, grumpy. But, like, at the very least, she's there for Lane. She starts the journey. I think that's really important. I think Sophie's, like, one of the most important side characters because of that. Like, tiny side character. Obviously, Kirk and Taylor are bigger. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that was my musical references. I can see Carol King and ASP, like, sitting down and, like, brainstorming what character they're going to come together. And, like, let's just have this crotchety old music store <laughs> owner. And Carol's just like, yes! Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fair. But, yeah, those are my musical references this week. 
Up next is a book with Emily. Books, movies, and music with Emily. So for this week's book, we, right off the bat, this episode made it very easy for me. Like, the third line in this show is, Lorelai got a book for Rory called The Little Locksmith. It was released in 1943. It was originally published. It was reprinted by the Feminist Press in 2000. It is a memoir by Kathleen Butler Hathaway about the effects of spinal tuberculosis on her childhood and into adulthood. There is not a lot out there about this book. Like, it's a pretty kind of obscure... Like, what I read to you is literally the entire Wikipedia page. It's all that's there. Wow. I was able to find a little more description about it. So it actually takes place in 1895. A specialist straps five-year-old, Catherine, then suffering from spinal tuberculosis, to a board with halters and pulleys and a failed attempt to prevent her from becoming a hunchback like the little locksmith who does odd jobs at her family's home. Forced to endure her confinement for 10 years, Catherine remains immobile until age 15, only to find that none of it has prevented her from developing a deformity of her own. I mean, the book itself sounds very interesting, kind of inspirational with what what this woman goes through as she grows up and throughout her life. It does leave me wondering, where does Rory find access to these types of books? Because hmm. now you can almost Google hey, what books will make me smart? And it'll, you know, give you a list of (laughs) philosophy or, you know, whatever. But this book doesn't have a huge following. I mean, it had mostly good reviews. The New York Times says you must not miss it. It's the kind of book that cannot come into being without great living and great suffering and a rare spirit behind it. It, Again, it just leaves me wondering, like, how does Rory find these books and how does she get access to them? I could see her reading a review. Maybe Chilton? Yeah. Because, like, presumably Chilton has a library, right? Mm-hmm. Like, my school was tiny and we had a library. Right. We didn't have books like, you know, Proust or whatever. But, like, we had, you know, good selection. I'm sure Chilton has Oh, yeah. I'm sure it books. does. But for me, like, when I go into a bookstore, when I go into a, lo- a library, there are so many. Yeah, it's, it's overwhelming. Almost, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's overwhelming to kind of pick and choose what you would or re- what you would not want. Maybe she just goes to the biography section. Do you think Rory has one of those, like, thousand books to read before you die? And she just goes through them? Yes. I, yes. Potentially. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that was The Little Locksmith. It is the book Lorelai gives to Rory at the beginning of the episode. Paid paid full price from Stars Hollow Books. After that, we have Fashion with Jess. Making fashion choices, making fashion choices, making fashion choices with Jess. Well, I am glad that we gave Lane Town's Person of the Week because she also gets another honorific today. Um, and I'm going to dive right in with my worst dressed. And I am so sorry. Oh, uh, don't tell me it's a plaid. It's not. Okay, it is like the that. outfit that Lane is wearing in the last music scene where she strong arms Sophie into letting her drum. 
I'm going to call this outfit saved by denim because if Lane wore the outfit that she is wearing without the denim jacket, she would look like a little boy in the 70s. That's so like straight out of the 70s. Funny. Um Emily was going past it and like she's wearing the denim jacket with the shirt and I'm like that's fine. And then it pans down to the jeans or to the corduroy oh mess. yeah. And I'm so, like oh the pants. <laughs> Lane is wearing like a you know light brown corduroys with this blue and light brown button-up shirt and then she has a dark denim jacket over it and really like the denim is the only thing that makes this outfit salvageable because if not it looks like an outfit that you would see you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of napoleon dynamite's outfit for prom (laughs) um right that like that like light brown like (laughs) No, (laughs) Napoleon Dynamite is literally my father and I's favorite movie together. But it's just, it's giving that like blue, brown, super old school, which I've complimented. I've given Best Dress for 70s inspired looks before. It's not that I don't like that era. It's just not a great look. And so, sorry, Lane, worst dressed. Thank goodness you have that denim. Lane also gets my steel item. It's the jacket that I commented on last episode that makes her look like a cool girl. It's just this, you know, bomber-style jacket, this kind of black nylon with the the hood and the cuffs and the waistband being that stretch, you know, cotton gray. It's just really cool looking, and I think that it would be a really fun piece to style. So yes, two honorifics for Lane there. My best dressed this week goes to Lorelai's party outfit. I think that Rory's party outfit kind of gets honorable mention. Rory is wearing this blue and white dress with little blue um, embroidered flowers on it and a blue cardigan. It's fine. It's reminiscent, I think, of something that Lorelai would usually wear with all the baby blue and the blue tones. But I just think that Lorelai's illusion lace black mini dress is super fun. It's not something that I would wear, but at this period in time, early 2000s, that is like a sexy dress. I'm surprised that she's wearing it to this party. It feels like something she would wear on an upscale date to me, but it is this black v-neck mini dress that has black lace over a kind of skin-toned sheath. And so it has the illusion that she's just wearing like a lace tattoo. So illusion lace is the term for that. Between that and the fact that I think the secret to this episode that makes me think Lauren is so, so stunning in it is they've done black eyeliner on her lower lash line, Hmm. which is not something we usually see on her. It gives her a little bit more of a sultry look. It makes her eyes pop a little bit more. And altogether, it's kind of like goth goes formal in like a really chic way. I don't know. I love this look. There were some other outfits throughout the episode that were like, kind of not worth mentioning to me but was there anything that i missed from either of you guys just real quick i want to point something out this is episode 20 right of season two Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. was 21 episodes in season one uh 22 in season two say they went to friday night dinner for half of them it'll be roughly 20 to 23 episodes so theoretically she has like about 23 dresses at this point? Sure. Yep. Rory or Lorelai? Plus Lorelai. Well, both of them, I guess. Both of them. But Lorelai, plus the things that she wears for work, 
At this point, she would be reusing dresses. But we never see her reuse a dress for Friday night dinner, do we? We do eventually. No, I mean, the infinite Gilmore closet. I think it's, I mean, it's a TV show thing. Yeah. But no, they they always have something fresh and new to wear unless she's like wearing a work outfit multiple times or wearing a work outfit into a Friday night dinner, which rarely happens. The only reason I mention this is because if you have 25, say, dresses in your closet, none of them were clean for Rory's first day at Chilton. <laughs> well, she's okay, bought to be all fair, of Friday night dinner hadn't fully started yet at that point. I guess. Emily, did you have anything? I definitely agree with you on Rory's dress for the party for the evening. It gives me very Lorelai vibes. It kind of reminds me of that. I think she wore on a date with Max at the beginning of the the season, but it was kind of like a pink with like yellow and with like yellow flowers kind of embroidered around the top of it. It was a very early season two look. Yeah, the one that I think I said was, like, uh, island vibes. It was very, yeah. like, tropical vacation. Yes. I think that might have been a Friday night dinner. This dress kind of reminds me of that, Just, but also, Rory doesn't wear deep Vs like this very often. No, And, like, really. there's no cleavage or anything like that, but you're right, it's a very Lorelai vibe, I, and I feel like specifically for that reason of that V, that deep V. Let's just take a very brief moment. Do you remember the boob fight? Mm-hmm. <laughs> About boob size? Their boobs are totally okay. bigger than mine. If Lorelai was wearing the dress that Rory is wearing, she would have, like, ample cleavage in it. Yeah. Rory mm-hmm. looks almost completely flat-chested in this dress. So I think, no. Rory has never had the bigger boobs. I don't know what that <laughs> fight was about. But yeah, that is my fashion recap. The only thing I, I want to add is that Emily and the phone call to Lorelai looked stunning. In the like, blue striped shirt? Um, I remember what she was wearing. I just remember thinking, oh, wow, she looks so pretty in that phone call. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't pull that outfit. I will say the white shirt outfit that Lorelai wears when she's in the office with Richard is also incredible. The The fit and the tailoring of everything she wears in that particular scene is incredible. You know what it is with Emily is her hair. Her, her hair, hair so and also there. I think they've. They've done a little bit of eyeliner on her lower lash line as well. Um, Maybe. Which gives her kind of more of a sultry eye. I don't feel like we see these colors on Emily very often. When she stands up, her pants are bad. (laughs) Oh, are they? Is it another situation? It's like tucked in, high belted. So it's a gardening outfit. (laughs) Yeah, it just, they're just like high and like singed. They're kind of grandpa pants. Yeah. So that was my fashion recap for the episode, and after that, we have Stars Hollow Speaks. You've already heard a lot of the um, responses that we got from listeners so far in the episode, but we do have a few more comments to share. Okay, so we have some comments on some previous episodes, specifically the last episode, the car accident episode, and first off, from To Earth from Pluto. I personally find it so beyond inappropriate that Luke asked Rory to tutor Jess. It's a job for a qualified adult, not the teenage daughter of a close friend. Agreed. I mean, I've been a professional computer in the past. It's hard. It's a lot of work. Also, the talk about Jess having or not having a driver's license reminded me that he spent a Saturday afternoon getting the special forklift license for his Walmart gig. (laughs) Yes, he does. 
<laughs> yep. Not quite there yet, but oh, he does. And we also got a comment from Leah, who says, first, I just want to say that I love your podcast. Thank you very much. Yay, thank yeah. you. I've been busy for a few weeks to get caught up once I found you. So, I mean, I love that. Like, I do the same thing. I'm currently listening to the One Tree Hill podcast, and it's like, I binge like five episodes in a row. And we've got like 40 plus episodes yeah, at this point. This is a point. solid bingeable podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, she continues saying, second, I agree that Rory should have said no, but as a parent, I feel like he should have ran it past Lorelai at least. Yeah. Like a heads up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially with Lorelai having some insight on Rory having a crush on Jess. I've seen Gilmore Girls so many times. Love having you ladies to listen to and hear your thoughts. Well, we love hearing you comment. Like, this is awesome. Thank you so much. We also had some general feedback on the episode from, like, a little question on Instagram. And so Leah said, love seeing Lorelai prove her competency to Richard. Hate Richard's pouty behavior. Agreed. Yeah. Um, Stars Lorelai said, I love this episode. It's... Either K. Renko or Krenko99 says, he finally respected how smart and hardworking she is. One of my favorites. Susanna said, I love this episode. Heartbreaking moments, but also the greatest bonding scenes as well. And Ash said, love this dynamic. So great to see him respect her business side after his visits to the inn before. Agreed. Big difference between when he was at her place of business and when she's at his place of business. Agreed. Uh, we also had a comment on one of the fashion posts on our Instagram from Susanna, who was commenting on Lorelai's monochromatic outfit that I gave best dressed. And Susanna said, Lauren can be in a potato sack and still be in the best dressed list. I mean, yeah. Yeah, true. She's on our worst dressed every so often, but definitely <laughs> agreed. But, like, let's she be still real. She pretty much always looks amazing. Yeah, her worst dress is still, like, real high up. Better yeah. than my best dress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Emily, you're beautiful. <laughs> uh, and we do have a couple of more. On one of our posts on Instagram from Robert's Books, we do have, Hey, do you think Patty's original line was Mick the Dick, but Kirk the Jerk was funnier, so that's why his name changed? <laughs> that's canon now. Actually, <laughs> so... <laughs> We got a, this is perfect timing, uh, we got a voice message from Gabby, who told us oh. the reason why Kirk is no longer called Mick. Okay. And it is because they forgot. <laughs> <laughs> they forgot that his name was Mick. Fair enough. Yep. <laughs> I feel like that'd be fairly easy to look back and, and look that up, but Okay. Um, and then also on that same post from Gimme My Coffee says, I have to vote for Kirk for person of the week. Without his comic relief, this episode would be a ton of bricks. Hey, agreed. I, I, I agreed. Mean, I agreed. Yeah. I was team Kirk. <laughs> Kirk was great in that episode. He really was. But Luke was good. He Yes. And then also from Susanna about jess and rory she said i just started to listen to this episode and you guys may correct yourself later but this basket tradition does happen again in the revival so she's discussing um a tisca to tasket the basket episode uh, and she says and though i i had my issues with the revival it was my fave callback to the original so we might have to correct ourselves we do see the basket auction one more time i gotta be honest i haven't watched this since 2016 
I watched it once. And yeah. That was it. But hey, <laughs> thank guys. you for correcting us because yeah. yeah. I mean, it's easy for us to think of the revival as like not canon or separate. So <laughs> You know what I remember no, from the us- revival? Cheating and a musical. <laughs> oh, that musical. That musical. I you know what? I remember Emily getting a hell of a storyline. Yes. And maybe one day we'll talk about it. But for now, we're talking about this episode and we do have one oh. more message from Gabby as well. I'm so sorry. Um she sent us a message on Instagram about this episode. She says, I love how Laura and Richard end up working so well together. He gets surprised on how good she is at all or how good she is at all of that, but is also happy to have her work with him. A little too happy since he kind of expects her to stay. We never really see those two interacting that well, and when we do, it's usually awkward. I'm glad we get Richard showing interest in Lorelai's skill the way he usually is interested in Rory. It's very sweet. I was also surprised on how Dean reacted to the news about the car. So understanding, not materialistic or angry at Rory for destroying the car he made for her, I would have expected a different reaction. Lastly, I love the scene where Rory finds Luke and tells him it wasn't his fault. You can feel both of them are a bit heartbroken about Jess being gone, and they're probably the only two in Stars Hollow not blaming it all on Jess. It's easy to forget how close Luke and Rory are, and it's nice to see that trusting relationship again in such a simple scene. That's a really good point. I mean, especially the point of, like, they might be the only two people that miss Jess. Yeah. Yeah. Like, in the world yikes his mom's kind of questionable on whether and who knows what she's doing it's so sad it is i mean maybe they'll be jess again who knows he left forever (laughs) maybe not (laughs) well either way thank you for all of the comments the messages everything thank you so much we absolutely love to hear from you and it always makes our day when we get something yes thank you Guys, we're finishing up this episode. Yeah. Guys, coffee. Coffee is talked about a lot. They go to this place and they need three cups. Um, They don't get the three cups. They only get one. So that's one each. And then technically Luke makes Rory coffee, but we don't see it happen. So right now, if we're just counting on screen coffee, it is one each. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. One each, and yet they need three extra cups at the table. Mm-hmm. Well, to be fair, hand. Luke is closed. They're not going to Luke's, and Luke's is usually their biggest supplier of coffee. Um, mm-hmm. But these girls supposedly have massive coffee addictions. For two girls who have massive coffee addictions, we really do not see that much coffee. <laughs> <laughs> not recently, no. I'm. I'm. Let's see how season three goes, you know? Oh, we have one more... Or two more episodes yes. left mm-hmm. this season, so we'll we'll see how those shake out. We will. But until then, I was Sandra. Thank you for listening. And I was Jess. And I was Emily. We will see you next week. Bye. 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 Before the episode ends, we wanted to share a cute little moment that happened during our recording of Emily's daughter, Charlie, coming in to say hi. Charlie wants to show you her giant slinky. <laughs> oh, we have a giant slinky. Wow! Yes, I can get in. That is a huge slinky. Hi, Charlie. Charlie. Hi, giant slinky! Oh my I gosh. see that. It's huge. <laughs> is that taller than you are? Um, no, but it's actually really, 
it can go really long. Like, oh this long. Gosh. Wow. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can reach us on Instagram at townmeetingpod or email us at townmeetingpod at gmail.com. And now you can support us at buymeacoffee.com slash townmeeting. Hope you guys enjoyed. Bye.